So hello, welcome to season three of the Coaching Question podcast. I'm Sarah Turner and I'm here with my co-host, Raga Finley. Hiya. And we've just been having a conversation about how time has, has gone really fast. So we started recording our first season right at the beginning of the pandemic and so much has changed since then. I think particularly with everything that's happening um, it's just giving us the opportunity to just take a moment and pause and reflect on the journey we've been on together with the podcast and also to reflect on the work that we've done together. Yeah, it's, it's only after you've recorded something you, you think of other stuff that's also valuable. Um, on the, well, actually, I think it's in season two, the vertical development mm. uh, one. It was only after that I heard the most fantastic metaphor I wish we'd got in the programme, which we'll share in the in the season two review. Absolutely. And I think one of the things that actually we do in coaching as well as we do this, we pause and we reflect and we say, okay, so how far have we come and where are we heading? And that is what we wanted to use this these first two episodes of season three, four, which is to say, hey, let's let's just go back and reflect a little bit on what we covered in season one and see what else we want to add um, or new insights that we might want to share. Yeah, it's amazing how things have evolved and we now have a whole new set of perspectives, Mm. you know, on some of these topics. So I think that's what this episode's about, checking in on these topics after such a period of prolonged uncertainty, really. So, Gregor, where shall we start? I think the first one that leaps out for me is episode three, when we're talking about maternity coaching. Because the whole uh, diversity and inclusion and wellness landscape has evolved really, really rapidly. Well, for me, I mean, I think there's been so much that we could talk about here, and I'm sure we'll miss some things out. But what stands out for me is um, is clearly the the awful murder of George Floyd in May last year, which I think took place after we'd recorded this podcast. Uh, which rightly prompted the Black Lives Matter movement. And then, of course, we can't talk about COVID and the last 18 months without talking about this whole period of enforced working from home, people being furloughed, parents apparently, um, quote-unquote, homeschooling. I uh, can't say that I managed to homeschool. And, and the impact that that's had in terms of uh, people, how they feel about their jobs, and you know, a broader well-being perspective, as you highlighted there. Yeah, and there's, there's the recent 16th September, there was a YouGov survey, I think, for the BBC saying that 79% of senior leaders and 70% of the general public surveyed said it's likely that people will never return to offices mm. at the same rate as they did before the, mm. the pandemic. And particularly when it comes to people being able to spend more time with their families. And I think that does, you know, link in with the whole maternity uh, issue. And, but there was also research by Microsoft. Yeah, and they found that 46% of people say they're likely to move jobs because they can actually work remotely now. And if I pick up on your point there about turn to coaching and and people being at home in time with families. So some of the things I've heard from my maternity coaching clients is that on the one hand, they've not had quite the experience of maternity leave they had thought they would have in terms of going to baby groups and, you know, meeting lots of friends and being very sociable. But on the other hand, they've had an amazing opportunity to bring their baby into the world with their partner there and a level of support that they would never have had um, pre-COVID. And that has really shaped people's views and opinions as they think about this this return to the office. So we're recording this in September now, September 21. 
And so many organizations are encouraging employees to get back to the office, maybe not full time, some some are, but actually for a lot of people, they're reevaluating things and saying, well, hang on a second, I've been working from home for so long and had such a great experience in terms of time in my family or work-life balance or whatever their caring responsibilities might be. And I'm not sure I want to go back to the office. I'm not sure that that's where I want to be right now. Uh, some people have termed this thing the great mm. resignation, you know, but I think for for companies and for individuals, it's a, like a great reevaluation. So it's been a wonderful opportunity for people to reevaluate what goes on. I'd had a couple of experiences with one client who's up in Scotland who they have an associated company. It's a family-run business, and they have an associated com- company that do marketing, and they have an older chair in his 60s, and he just said, everybody's got to come back in the office. Very command and control. And everybody, bar one individual, was happy to do that. But this individual had said, I've got a much better work-life balance. You know, I spend more time with my family. I really don't want to come back into the office full-time. But after three weeks of operation, he actually did come into the office. He went into the chair's office and said, that's the best thing you ever did for me. Because actually working in the office has been brilliant for me. And so that's one story. But on the other side, I think it's so dependent on context. I've got an outfit. It's a technology outfit in the south of England. And if they try and force anything on their employees, they'll just leave. Because they can, because the job market is so hot. Because Mm -hmm. they can't. It's got really high mobility. So it's much more there about them experimenting with our staff to to find something that works for everybody. So that whole idea of diversity and inclusion is much, much higher up. Because Mm. of COVID, it's much, much higher up, I think, on people's agendas. And I think that's, I think you were saying that because of that, the DNA landscape's evolving so rapidly that then maybe the maternity coaching offer might need to get broadened. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, I think, you know, it's not only women who need support at this time. Um, Obviously, dads go through um, a huge life change in a slightly different way, but they still go through a huge life change. And of course, you've got same-sex couples, you've got people going through adoption, you've got people who might be going through surrogacy. And and I think that the kind of support that they need is going to be slightly different, but it doesn't detract from the fact that they're still going to need that support as they go through that journey. And if, if we broaden that out even further and just think about the impact that this hybrid working has brought about in terms of what do we do when we've got some people at home, we've got some people in the office. I don't know whether you've had this experience, but I've definitely had experiences where I've been running a workshop and I've got some people in the room together and some people dialing in from home. And it's really, really challenging to ensure that everybody is heard, to ensure that people are able to participate equally. And I know that we did that podcast, didn't we, about the polarity thinking. Because we talked about this and you had that experience. I had a client saying how well it had worked, but that's because of the, the technology. The technology they were using was such that it was like the people were in the room. But you were talking about a couple of people on laptops. And I think it just goes to show if you're going to do this, you've got to yeah. do it properly. Uh, but I think what's coming through the theme to like wrap up this episode, the theme that's coming through for me is the pandemic has caused an openness of mind that's really expanding. Mm. I'm finding it, I was going to say fun, but I'm, I'm finding it really eye-opening 
that the people I'm coaching, the leaders I'm coaching, they're more open to ideas. I was on a session with Hala Thomas Dottier, who is CEO of the B Team Company. And she gave an example where there was one company, and I can't remember the company now, but they're a B Team, a B Corporation. And they had realized there's this thing about there's these companies saying we need to employ all these people and we can't get them. And there's these unemployment lines. And they said, you know what? We're just not going to interview people. We're just going to give people jobs in a first-come, first-served basis, which like seems crazy. But it's been amazing for them because people have come in that be given jobs. It's not like specialized work. They're not a legal firm or something. It's it's you know it's a long, it's like a McDonald's or or something, but not McDonald's. But the idea is they get people in, and they've got this huge diversity of cultures, huge diversity of thought, and it's been really good for their organization. But they were open to the idea of, oh, we're just going to give people jobs. We're not going to bother interviewing them. That seems crazy to me in the world I come from. But I think it's incredible, isn't it? Because, you know, if we think about the change that we've all experienced, even in the last 18 months, and people talk about when's it all going to end, and actually my sense is it isn't really. This is it. You know, the only certainty is uncertainty. And so actually, as we continue to navigate change, you've got climate change. I think that diversity inclusion is probably catching up with climate change as a, as a big area that organizations need to be focusing on. And so things like, um, things like that story where you've got that diversity of thought, that's what we need when we're facing unprecedented change. We need to be able to innovate. We need to be able to be agile. We need to be able to think differently. And that's where diversity of thought, that's where diversity and inclusion is just so important. I think what we're seeing with clients is we might spend a lot of time with clients getting them past a, a quite an either-or mindset. You'll have recognized this with a lot of clients. They, they can have quite an either-or mindset, but you have to move them away from that, especially in today's world. And I think the context of COVID has shifted people into much more of this uh, more agile environment of thinking of experimentation. You can just have it one way or the other. It's not, you well, you take time off and you have a baby or you have a career. You know, well, it's, you don't think either or. You think, well, how can I do both? So what else did we talk about in season one that we wanted to reflect on today? What about the team coaching episode? Yeah, there was a piece from the team coaching studio, which I thought was interesting. And they wanted to see what others thought about changes to team coaching. And I think I said in that, that episode, I'd be amazed at how well it's worked virtually. And I've talked to other team coaches and they've said it's been amazing how well virtual has worked for team coaching, often you know, better than, than face-to-face in some regard. Mm. But they, they had six things that their community of team coaches were coming up with. And we wanted to highlight a few of them. One was, we'll put these in the show notes, I think. Mm. But one was teams needed to know how to be teams again. I really like that comment. Because some teams have been really disconnected because of COVID. It's quite easy for people to get insular and just work on their own operation. So that, you know, their, their own team becomes their first team rather than the team they're a member of. So that was, that was one thing that really came out. Um, team purpose is more important than ever. Just, of, of course, team purpose is always important. But we've got to take into account the context, the place and people, you know, alongside the purpose. 
virtual team coaching is here to say, which we've talked about. And teams can really help each other negotiate this new way of working. There's so many different experiences depending on context. There's no one size fits all. And I like this point about actually we can generate really good ideas when we think together. And I think one of the downsides of everybody working on their own at home, of course, we've got Teams, of course, we've got Zoom, of course, we've got telephone calls. But actually, when you're trying to do a brainstorm or you're trying to you know, get those collective ideas, you have to work quite hard, I think, when you're working virtually to get that. doesn't mean it's not possible, but you just have to work a bit differently. But it's the value of bringing us all together to think rather than sitting on our own at home thinking. I like how it's, it's caused people to really have to use technology. Yeah. You know, like using sites like Mentimeter, you know, but, but basically using whiteboards really well. Oh, yeah. Oh, and they're great, aren't they? I and mean, that's been fabulous. It's amazing what you can do with whiteboards if you adopt the technology. And I think one of the things you get is there's been certain people who have been more Luddite in their relationship with technology. They've just had to come up to speed, which is brilliant. And the last point they made, this is the one that we always make in team coaching, is you know, the challenges are beyond that which one hero leader can solve. Yeah. It's only together. So I think that's the only thing, you know, we we were saying in that episode, team coaching is needed more than ever. I I just think post-COVID or in in COVID, yeah, more than ever, we need team coaching. So what what was the next one for you? And we've touched on this a little bit already, but we wanted to, in the first episode, think about what could we learn about change from COVID. So, you know, we've talked about hybrid working. We've talked about the great resignation. Um, We've talked about people re-evaluating what they really want in the context of what has shifted and changed with COVID. I think the thing for me is, and maybe this is just a bit of naivety, but, and I include myself in this, but right at the start of the pandemic, you remember right back in March 2020 when we first had that edict, you know, work from home. And we all just thought it's going to be a few, a few, a few weeks. And yet here we are 18 months later, and we've only got some people back in the office and still quite a few working from home. And so it's this point often that we think that change will end at some point. It will have a clearly defined point at which it's no longer happening. And that brings me back to that point I made before about, or maybe maybe that isn't the case. Maybe actually the only certainty right now is that we're going to continue to be uncertain. Change doesn't necessarily have a clearly defined end. Mm. And what's happening is we are both fans of William Bridges' transitions model. Mm. We talked about that model in that episode. We did, yeah. Um, and the idea is that you have to signal an end. It's not change, it's a transition. You have to signal end, you have to signal what's starting. And in the middle, you've got this no man's land, mm. which can be really stressful for people, but it's an opportunity where you can innovate. It's an opportunity, it's a place where you can innovate. Mm. And what we've got to be cognizant of is in these circumstances, the no man's land is very, very long. Mm-hmm. And that becomes very stressful for people. Then we have mental health issues. And we talked about the SCARF model in that episode. And one of the challenges you can have in being an away from or or a towards state is certainty. Yeah. And there's so much uncertainty. And human beings do not deal well with uncertainty. I think it's beholden on us as coaches to also be helping our clients focus on certainty and making sure there is enough certainty for them and their people that they can build everything else around. Yeah, and I was going to just build your point there about for them and their people, because if we're thinking about the leaders that we're working with, so I've got an organisation I'm working with where they're actually bringing two organisations together 
But I mean, lots of organizations have had downsizing or restructuring. So all sorts of changes have gone on. I've got maternity coaching clients who have come back from maternity leave to completely different teams, completely different structures to the ones that they left. And and actually the SCARF model, I think, is a really useful lens for, le- for leaders to apply when they're thinking about what are the sorts of things that might create that that stress or that uncertainty or that sense of threat, that perceived threat at work when I don't know what's going on? Is it about, you know, actually, um, do I have the autonomy to make my own decisions? Is it about the quality of the relationships I have with my colleagues? Um, so it's a, it's a really great model to apply when you're thinking about change, particularly when you've got a, an adjustment or a, or a specific transition, such as organisations making changes. Yeah, so if you're if you're someone dealing with change, I, and especially around COVID, I think that's a really good episode to revisit. The, mm. the the stuff we talk about there is still really, really relevant still today. I was just going to make the point that building off that then, you know, what do we need for leaders of the future? It's It's really about agility, isn't it? It's about leaders who can adapt and flex according to um, whatever's coming their way and to have that resilience to be able to cope with it. It's funny you mentioned the word resilience because I I had a client saying, oh, we want someone who specialises in resilience. And I, I wonder about that word because the the other episode that we're going to talk about is coaching around stress and mental health. Yeah. And sometimes resilience is is well how tough can we be and you can you can really resource people to be tougher Mm. but is that the right thing for them and so sometimes resilience coaching to me can be with it's not coaching it's mentoring about how people can be tougher but sometimes what we need is what we need people to be accept their own vulnerabilities and be able to deal with those things. And I think that comes to the, the, the episode six we did about stress and mental health. Absolutely. And one of my reflections, again, you know, when we recorded this, it was last summer and we're now a year on. And we've all experienced this differently. But I know that if there's one thing that we all share is that general level of exhaustion that, you know, we've not been able to have the kinds of breaks that we maybe wanted to, got the impact of, of constant video calls um, those of us, including myself in this, who've you know tried to do that homeschooling, it's all taken its toll. And so a lot of the things I've been hearing in coaching is just around, you know, actually just how do I manage this? Um, and a lot of the same issues we touched on in the podcast, I think are still real. Things like loss of boundaries, things like working into the evening still, you know, people seem to be extremely busy, high workloads, stress levels, feeling overwhelmed. So a lot of the conversations I've been having have been around I use this word scaffolding but you know what is it that you need to put around you to equip you to enable you to be able to cope with all of this Um, and that's going to be different for different people but you know sometimes it's just a simple thing of I'm going to do a walk every morning for half an hour and I think we talked about this in the podcast didn't we and you know it's like how do I create a virtual commute when I'm not actually going into the office these things still stand true yeah, I can't remember if we mentioned it, but there was I heard about one guy who actually leaves the house, gets in his car and drives around for 20 minutes hmm. to, to have that commute. Yeah. But I was really hurt, and I think this is the first time we're recommending another podcast on our own podcast, where I really highlight Esther Perel's piece with journalists. Yeah. Um, and we'll put that in the show notes. Now, Esther Perel is a, she is a trained therapist, and... I was really heartened that somebody with an awful lot more therapeutic experience than me 
was saying, and I quote, this collapse of boundaries is intensely psychologically taxing. Yeah. And she talks about the loss of structure in terms of boundaries, just as we we are. Mm, mm. And then and she talks about creating rituals and routines in order to re-establish boundaries. Mm. We're all destroyed by the pandemic. So lots of stuff we were talking about has been reinforced. Mm. I think she just went that extra level. And the other thing was that we didn't focus on, I think this is additional, is she was bringing up a focus on resourcing through relationships. Yes. Mindfulness is something you do on your own. What she brings from her background is this focus on relationships. And she was suggesting things like, well, you just, if we were working on independent stuff, we'd still set up a Zoom call. Yeah. And so we'd be doing our individual work, but we'd still have company. Absolutely. And, and again, just, just thinking a bit about how things have changed over, over time since we recorded this. Another survey, this is a Microsoft one, they found that 37% of the global workforce say their companies are asking too much of them at a time like this. One in five think their employer doesn't care about their work-life balance. 54% feeling overworked, 39% feeling exhausted. And I thought this was interesting. The average Microsoft Teams user is sending 42% more chats after hours and 50% of people responding to Teams chats within five minutes. It goes back to that thing, you've got to establish boundaries. So as coaches, as any professional that's helping with people and with leaders, got to have boundaries. You've got to, and if you don't have them, you've got to create them. And creating that scaffolding, to use your term, Mm. is hugely important. Can I just say this other thing that Esther Perel talked about? Is a term I've not heard of before, which is ambiguous loss. Yeah. You said that's what we're experiencing right now for a world that's still somewhat physically present but doesn't resemble itself. So ambiguous yeah. loss is when you you lose something, it's sort of it appears that it's still there, mm-hmm. but it isn't. It's like when people are actually grieving for their old organizational setup or their old leader, but they never acknowledge it. So that's that's what we're all suffering at the moment is this ambiguous loss. And the thing that I that stands out for me when we think about, I mean, as you say, the technology is phenomenal, so I don't mean to talk it down, but the danger of something like a Teams is I can see when you're online or not. And so if I message you and I know that you're online because your light is green, even if it's subconscious, I'm kind of expecting you to reply because you're green. You're not in a meeting, you're available. And I think it's sort of created this sort of immediacy, this sense of, respond now if not why not kind of thing because i can see you're there um and you almost feel even if you're creating these boundaries you almost feel like people can still see that you're there it's like that whole transparency i often say to people like outlook is devil spawn to me sometimes yeah. is you you create a structure by which you only turn on outlook at certain times of the day mm. you know there are certain times of the day you're not available yeah um, and you have to be able to create those structures and those boundaries. If you don't have boundaries, you can't have proper functioning. Yeah. So, yeah, so I, I thought I think there's lots of stuff still in those episodes that are highly relevant. But we'll put in the show notes about Esther Prell's podcast. It's a great it's- podcast, her housework podcast. Highly recommend it. Okay, so anything else you want to pull out from the first series? I don't think it's come through yet, or we're not seeing it yet, but uh, both of us were thinking that we will probably see more demand for career coaching. Yes. Um, And that's personal career coaching. People may be paying for it themselves. I've seen some of this come through already. 
and there may be a greater demand on organisations to facilitate people adapting the roles. I've definitely had a few clients who've come to me either because things have changed during COVID in terms of the nature of their role and in a way they don't like, or I had one individual who had wanted to make a change before COVID hit and then COVID hit and so they you know they couldn't do it so it's just sort of pushed it out but I think it's all part of this the great resignation you could almost rename it as the great re-evaluation right yeah. you know what is it I really want to to get out of my career from this point this point forward well the other thing I wanted to pull out was this point so our last episode in season one was about supervision and how it's essential for internal and external coaches and we had two great guests that we interviewed um, in that episode. One of the reflections for me, again, on 18 months later, is the importance of us looking after ourselves. Because I know that we've both had clients coming to us um, with various topics, various levels of stress. And of course, you know, we're also living through the pandemic and working through the pandemic. And we've got our own families and all the rest of it that, that we're, we're dealing with. And so I, I think there's something for me about it's really important that we take care of ourselves so that we're able to be at our best for our clients? Yeah, I, I think supervision is even more important now, exactly because of that. I think we've got an interview coming up, we haven't done it yet, uh, about some internal coaching, and I think we, we realise that supervision is really important there particularly, but even for independent coaching, I really value my supervision group. Absolutely. And just building on that point about, supervision for internal coaches I mean this is sort of slightly moving away from coaching per se but actually some of the things that I've been hearing about and talking about is HR I think have had a really really tough 18 months because so much has been thrown at them a lot of HR not ever dealt with furlough before probably didn't even know what furlough was You've got a lot of mental health type issues you've had to navigate the whole hybrid working and how do we make that work and how do we manage that and, and how do we support the business with it and then beyond that, also thinking about diversity and inclusion, you know, who supports those people? Who's there for HR when HR are down? Who supports the DNI um, professionals when you know they're fighting quite a difficult challenge in terms of driving the change that they need in their organisation? So I think it's not only who's looking after the coaches, but also who's looking after those people who are in those sort of helping professions where actually they need that support too. Uh, so I, I think that for coaching and therapy. The, the scaffolding's there in terms of supervision. Mm. I think people can use their professional associations more. Mm. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I mean, I don't know what goes on with the professional bodies that support HR professionals, but I would hope that there is more support coming from that direction. If not, you know, I mean, I know that I had a, I, I've, I do quite a lot with my professional association, Apex, and I get real support and help and essentially supervision in some cases from the conversations I have with my peers within that association. So I think beyond supervision, I would encourage the, the HR professionals to use the professional associations more. And the other thing is for HR people to use coaching more for themselves. Absolutely. Why not? Because quite often they're spending all this time helping others, mm. but they need to support themselves. That self-compassion is such an important thing. So looking back, there's quite a lot has changed. 
So yeah, and you know, I think a lot has changed, and I think it will continue to change actually. But I am really excited about um, our next season. We've got some great interviews lined up, and just on the diversity and inclusion topic, we have a menopause coach we're talking to. So we're thinking about a bit more, as you said, about internal coaching, um, imposter syndrome. I think there'll be lots of people who'll be interested in hearing about that. I think one of the one of the interviews I've done that I'm really looking forward to turning into a podcast is with Lucy Ball in regard to peers coaching. And peers coaching, I think, is a really interesting area. So we've got a, a great season coming up. We're going to do also a quick review of season two in our next episode. So do take a look at the show notes. And as always, if there's anything that we've talked about today that has piqued your interest or that you would like to find out more about or if you've got any questions or even ideas and suggestions of what you would like to hear more on please do get in touch you can email us at info at the coaching and thanks for listening